So the Sabbath, um, probably it's interesting out of um, all of the Ten Commandments that the Sabbath tends to be the one that we, we are very comfortable sort of spiritualizing and um, leaving it as very distant. I think like obviously we, we know it's wrong to murder, to lie, to commit adultery. We know it's right to honor mother and father, to also not um, be idolaters and worship other gods. But the Sabbath seems to be um, something that we are very quick to um, spiritualize and maybe not apply to our lives as much. So I wonder, uh, how do you rest? How do you actually rest? When you think about rest, what, what do you do for rest? I'm convinced that the majority of our restlessness and exhaustion in this society is because we do not rest in the way God intended. We don't rest rightly. We kind of assume that rest is like sitting in front of a TV, like a zombie, just receiving entertainment. And that's kind of our, our rest or scrolling through social media, playing a a video game, but that doesn't actually give us rest. All of those things that are neither um, good nor bad, depending upon the content, they, they don't actually give us rest. They work against restfulness because most of those things cause us to disengage our mind because we do just sit there like zombies in front of a screen. They're not fruitful, they disengage our mind, and then it makes it harder and harder to re-engage when we need to actually do something productive. And that's what often causes the exhaustion and makes us think we need rest, but then we go back to those things and it's a dangerous, never-ending cycle. And so you're just constantly feeling exhausted. And so in this sense, in our culture, we're kind of set up for failure a little bit because we are conditioned in our society to have this deep need for entertainment, deep need for more entertainment, more conversation, more news. Um, we need another dopamine hit that we get when we uh, scroll through Facebook or Instagram or when a text message goes up, it gives us this dopamine hit and we just need more and more of that. And so we're conditioned in this way to actually be restless in our posture. And so a practice of sitting down for an hour in prayer, I wonder how easy that is for you. I know for me, I was just even, um, I've been really struggling the last few months, like with being very distracted in my mind while I'm in times of prayer. And I feel like it's a wrestle. It's a fight for me to be praying and not just have my mind go on to something else. And there are times where I've, it's been like three or four minutes of me thinking about something completely different to what I was supposed to be praying about. And I don't even realize and I think a lot of that is just because we live in this world where we're constantly moving on to, to new things faster and faster. And so it, it's very hard for our minds to just stop, to just stop and be still and wait upon the Lord. The Sabbath is largely to do with this practice of stopping. That's what Sabbath or Shabbat, the word means. It means to stop. 
So this is all about rest, all about a pause, stillness in our lives. And observing an intentional time of rest is fundamental to discipleship. I guarantee you will fail as a disciple, which I think will be the evidence that you were never actually following Jesus if you are unable to get back into these practices of rest. We will stumble, we will slip, we will have moments of restlessness, but the Christian life is always working toward these rhythms of rest and stillness, of actually stopping before God. So the kind of rest that God has instituted for the Sabbath is a particular rest which centers itself upon God. And so what I wanna do is look at three questions Firstly, what was the Sabbath for Israel? So understanding, of course, because this command was given to the people of Israel. What was the Sabbath for Israel? Secondly, what is the bigger picture of the Sabbath? And then thirdly, what does a Sabbath look like for us? Bridging that gap. So firstly, what was the Sabbath for Israel? Two principles, two um, themes for, the Sabbath, of, for, for um, the Sabbath in Israel's life. The first is... It was a reflection of God. So God institutes the Sabbath. And in Deuteronomy 5, and this is um, very similar in Exodus 20, in the first account of the Ten Commandments, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, God, um, through Moses, says, uh, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. Now, if we look back at the creation account in Genesis chapter 2, in verse, verses 2 and 3, this describes, this, with Genesis chapter 1, we've gone through the six days of creation and then Genesis chapter 2 kind of um, summarizes and says, um, the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. That word is Shabbat. So God Sabbathed. He finished his work that he had done and he rested, again, he Shabbat, he Sabbathed on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So six days of work and then a Sabbath. And God then calls his people to have six days of work and then have a Sabbath. This was to reflect God. So the, the weekly rhythm of God's people was to be a reflection of God in creation. Now, you have to understand at this time, so 3,000 years ago, there was really no such thing as a seven-day week. We take it for granted now, but back then there was no such thing as a seven-day week. It kind of appeared in some places in Mesopotamia, but there was no real rhythm of a seven day week, it was kind of more like um, maybe animals, like animals don't have a week. They just know light, darkness, night and day, do it all over again. But a seven day week was something distinct. It was a distinctly Jewish thing. So a significant part of the Sabbath for the people of Israel was again, this idea that comes up through Deuteronomy all the time of being holy, being holy, being separate, they were supposed to be separate in their lives, to look different, 
God has set apart the seventh day as holy and he sets it apart as something completely different from every other day. Six days of work and then a day of just complete rest, stopping what you're doing. And their lives were to follow that rhythm, which would then signal to the surrounding nations that this is a very different community. So the Sabbath was to be a reflection of God in the life of his people and act as a sign between God and Israel and then also signaling to other nations that this nation is different. The second aspect of the Sabbath for Israel is that it was to be a time of remembrance. So they were to remember what God has done. They were to reflect upon it. So in the uh, account we have here, God says to them, Right at the very end of this in verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So they are to remember on the Sabbath day to stop and then to remember what God has done, to remember that he has brought them out of slavery, brought them with an outstretched arm, brought them into his presence out of slavery in Egypt and toward the promised land. So God doesn't institute occasions without important meaning behind them. He's not a careless God. He's not just an arbitrary God that just imposes occasions for uh, no reason. So Israel had these feasts in their calendar. Their whole lives were were, um, centered around the feast. There were seven main feasts through the year in the Jewish calendar. There was the Sabbath, the Passover, first fruits, um, the festival or the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, and then uh, the tabernacles. And they all had particular meaning behind them where they were supposed to reflect on something. So the festival of the first fruits was a sign of the first lot of the harvest and to reflect and and say, wow, what a great God that he has provided this harvest for us and there is more to come. The tabernacles were there to remember that God had brought them out of Egypt and they had lived in tabernacles. They had lived in tents in that time as sojourners. And so they were to remember that they were sojourners. Therefore, they are to be welcoming to foreigners. And the Sabbath is where God's people likewise are to stop and remember. They are to remember that this seventh day of rest is holy. It's distinct. They're to remember that the same God who created the seventh day is the same God who brought them out of Egypt, who saved them. So this is what the Sabbath was for Israel, a day that was set apart from all the rest, where they were to stop all work and spend time worshipping Yahweh by remembering and reflecting upon what he has done. And in doing this, they would stand out as distinct from everyone else and they would be shaped by their remembrance of God. Now, the way this worked, a little bit of history for the Sabbath day in Israel and that still occurs today in kind of orthodox areas of Jerusalem and some Jewish areas throughout the world where on Friday night, Friday evening, as the sun goes down, that was the start of Shabbat. So from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, they would stop and they would not do any work. And for 24 hours, it would be a a time of feasting, of singing, of worshipping the Lord, of doing no work, of being 
um, almost disrupted in their weeks to then set aside specific time to worship the Lord. And this evolved throughout Israel's history. So on, um, as centuries uh, went on, the, the Sabbath rules became more and more complex. So in the Mishnah, which is a Jewish commentary on the Hebrew Bible, there are hundreds and hundreds of prohibitions for what you can and can't do or what you can't do on the Sabbath. And what had happened is that the rabbis kind of took it to the extreme and were so careful not to break the Sabbath that they instituted all of these rules that were not actually required of God. So not only would they not um, want to do things that you shouldn't do on the Sabbath, but they also made sure people didn't do things that looked like doing something you shouldn't do. So children were not allowed to climb trees because if they climbed a tree, they might break a branch and it might look like they're reaping sticks to use as firewood or something else. So they had kind of imposed these almost impossible barriers that ended up missing the entire point of the Sabbath. And that's what leads us to our second question what was the bigger picture of the Sabbath? What was the Sabbath pointing to? So as Jesus comes along in his earthly ministry, he, as you would hopefully know, has a lot of confrontations with the religious leaders of the day. And one prominent idea, theme, that he is being uh, confronted by the religious leaders on is the Sabbath. And Jesus helps reinterpret rightly the Sabbath toward the religious leaders of the day. So Jesus, um, he heals on the Sabbath. He picks grain on the Sabbath or with his disciples, they pick grain and the religious leaders can't understand why a man of God would, would break God's commandments. And the key response Jesus gives is that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. As if to say, if you simply understand the Sabbath, and I think this actually goes much deeper uh, to the Christian life in general. If you simply understand the Christian life as a bunch of rules and requirements, you have missed the point. And Jesus is saying, if you simply understand the Sabbath as a bunch of rules, that you should follow, then you've missed the entire point. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is a gift from God to man in order to refresh, reshape and realign us under God. The Sabbath is pointing to something much bigger than simply stopping work. It's pointing to something so much bigger. So there are three key themes that we should understand as part of this bigger picture that the Sabbath is pointing to. So the first point or theme is that the Sabbath is an intentional disruption. The Sabbath is actually an intentional disruption to our lives. Part of the reason some of the Sabbath requirements instituted by God were strict is because it's supposed to be a disruption to our weeks. It's supposed to be something very different to the other six days of our week. It's supposed, it's supposed to actually be a disruption 
to our weeks or cause almost a little bit of shock to us so that that day is particularly different. It would be different to the hustle and bustle of the work week. So there would be a disruption to that. We wouldn't be doing things that might even help us out for the next week. It's actually a disruption to our lives that causes us to then pause and rest while centering our reflections upon God. So it's designed to be a sharp reminder that we are not at the center of the universe. That's part of the principle here. It's an intentional disruption to remind us that we are not in control. We are not at the center of the universe. So stopping work actually creates a challenge for us. And sometimes I think for us, it's not so much the challenge of stopping work. Like if we apply this to our lives, we don't really have too much of a, an issue with that. I mean, we're already given effectively two Sabbaths, like we get a long weekend. So it's not really that big of a deal for us to stop our sort of nine to five jobs. Um, but I think the principle for us is that there will be other areas of our lives that we must stop on the Sabbath day so that we feel that intentional disruption like no media, none at all for that day, no news, not answering emails, not checking messages even for that day, something that actually causes us to be disturbed a little bit, that creates a disruption to our lives and this is good because when that disruption comes we start to feel like we need to fight for control and this is reminding us that we are not in control that's what the sabbath is doing when you have to actually press pause on that thing you really wanted to do like when you actually have to um, consciously stop doing that thing that you really wanted to do there is something good that comes out of that. There is good fruit because you then will feel the fight for control and then you get a chance to realign yourselves toward the God who is in control. So the world will keep spinning if you don't answer that email, if you don't check media, if you don't check the news. The world will still keep spinning because God is in control. So keeping the Sabbath reminds us that we are not in control of time, but on the Sabbath, we reorient ourselves under the one who is the author of time. The Sabbath is an intentional disruption to our schedule so that we remember we are not in control and we realign ourselves toward the one who is through this practice. That's the first theme or principle is it is an intentional disruption. The second theme is understanding the two different types of rest. So there are different types of rest in the Bible, and we, we, we know this experientially anyway. There's different ways that we can rest, different things we mean by rest. And in Scripture, we have one idea of rest, which is the Sabbath, which um, the word Shabbat means to stop, and it's kind of like clocking off from work. Like it's like a clear, just stop doing something, stop work, clock off. But then you have this other idea of rest, which is to settle in. And this is a different word uh, called nuach, 
which um, is this idea of rest that's often associated with the Israelites entering the promised land. So it's this idea of rest that means to settle in, kind of to really uh, settle in somewhere. So God is always using it to describe the rest that his people will have in the promised land. A very different type of rest to just stopping. And we have both of these uses in this command in Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy 5.12, the people are to Shabbat. They are to stop. So six days you shall labor and um, do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, is a Shabbat to the Lord. On it you should do no work. And then you have this other idea in verse, the end of verse 14. The whole point of this is so that... Your, your servants and you as well may rest, which is nuach, which means so that, so you Shabbat, so that you may nuach, so that you may settle in. And this is important to understand because the word nuach in Psalm 95 is used to when God says, I swore in my anger, they shall not enter my rest. That's the word. So it's talking about something very different, right? This is actually God saying, I have this type of rest and the people of Israel, in my anger, I told them that they will not enter my rest. They will not enter this particular rest. And this then leads us to our third theme. So the third theme is that the Sabbath is pointing to the ultimate rest, this other type of rest, this nuach rest, this settling in, this promised land rest. So observing the Sabbath reminds us that there is an ultimate day of rest which awaits us. And this has been a major theme throughout the book of Deuteronomy. I hope um, you remember the idea of the promised land as pointing to something beyond just the physical land that Israel have and now geopolitical Israel now have. The, the idea of the promised land is pointing to something beyond that. This idea of God actually dwelling among his people, the new heavens and new earth. That's the, the land that we are waiting to inherit and the Sabbath rest is pointing us to this ultimate day of rest, which we await. And I think if you remember the Sabbath as both an intentional disruption, we, we need that because if we just continue on in our lives with a few little practices, a few little Christian practices here and there, and never anything that actually shocks us out of that, then it's very easy for us to kind of be lured into this kind of vague, apathetic life where we only focus upon the here and now and where we don't actually have a deep longing for something more. We don't actually have that deep longing of Christ's return, when he will return, where everything will be made right, where we will finally have rest. I wonder if you sense that. I kind of feel like I get dragged into that, that lifestyle of just only focusing on the, upon the here and now. And I, I wonder if the return of Christ excites you. It's kind of, it's, it's almost a, a shame upon us that we're so apathetic towards that. 
And I think a big part of that is actually this disruption that should have. We've lost practices in our lives that remind us that we wait for something more, that remind us that we wait for something much better and much bigger than what we can see and feel in this world. And the interactions that Jesus has around the Sabbath shows that he is pointing to this different type of rest that's totally different from the rest that the world sees as restful. So in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has these interactions with the Pharisees around the Sabbath. And in chapter 12 of Matthew, we see one of the accounts where Jesus and his disciples are walking through the grain fields and his disciples pick some grain. And then the Pharisees say, hey, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus pushes back on them and reminds them of what David did when he um, and his men ate the bread of the presence that they were not supposed to do in the temple. And Jesus then says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I'm over the Sabbath. The Sabbath was actually pointing to me. So the Sabbath is not simply about these restrictive rules. It is pointing to something bigger. And Jesus holds the answer to this. And then Jesus goes on and he heals a man on the Sabbath and provokes the, the Pharisees watching on by saying to them, is it lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath? Will you allow that? Will you allow me to do what is good on the Sabbath and heal this man? Now, just before these two accounts in chapter 12, at the very end of verse 11, we have a passage that a lot of Christians know that's very popular. Immediately before these two accounts on the Sabbath, Matthew records Jesus saying in verses 28 and 30, Come to me, all who labor, who work, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So right before Jesus explains that he is Lord of the Sabbath, he's crying out to people saying, stop your works, find rest in me. That's what the Sabbath was pointing to. Everyone has to stop from their works in order to have rest. And Jesus holds the key to that since in him, in our union with Christ is where true rest lies. So the Sabbath was pointing to the ultimate rest where we settle in for all eternity, where we settle in with God. The rest, which according to the author of Hebrews remains today, that day of rest remains for people. So I want to finish now with our third point on what might the Sabbath look like for us. So it's important to understand how Jesus reinterprets the Sabbath for us. So I do not believe that we are bound by the Sabbath under the old covenant in the same way that an Orthodox Jew today would understand that they are. We've already seen how Jesus demonstrated that he, he is supreme over the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath. And the reality of rest is to be found in him. And in Colossians 2, Paul affirms this. Paul says, 
Let no one judge you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. All of these things are just a shadow of something greater. And the reality is found in Christ. So I don't believe we're bound by observance of the Sabbath in the same way that some people have, but I do believe that there are fundamental principles, fundamental principles that we get from the Sabbath that we should abide by in order to obey Christ as disciples. So let me give three principles to finish with, which we can apply to our own situations, how you can keep a Sabbath day or Sabbath principles in your lives. So number one, keep a day where you stop certain things that would otherwise occupy your time. Take a day where you stop, intentionally stop things that would generally occupy your time. So this might not specifically be your work, because as I've said, most people in most jobs um, find it relatively easy to clock off and just not do work for the weekend. Or maybe that is for you. And therefore you would stop from that. But if part of the the principle of Sabbath that we see in the Israelites was that we would stop, what we are doing in order to reorient ourselves back under this God who is supremely in control, then there must be things in our lives that we have to press pause on. We actually need to stop doing those things. So for you, it might be media. And I was very convicted as I was um, writing this. And if I can just confess now, like I have not been, this has fallen by the wayside for me. And I want to take this as an opportunity to um, bring this back, bring practices like this back. And I hope that we can have a bit of accountability as a community. Um, But for me, I just find looking at media, and I'm not really talking about social media because I don't even have any social media, but just like news and um, what's going on in the world actually creates restlessness within me. And, you know, I I find it very easy to justify because I'm like, oh, I need to know what's going on because our border could be shut in two hours and I need to kind of like, you know, look at the news to see what's going on. But that has created bad habits within me where I feel like I need to know what's going on. And so for me, I want to take a day, which for me is going to be Friday, where I not only stop work, I don't do any work on a Friday, and I take it to spend time with family, but I don't want to look at any media on that day. And I prefer to actually just switch off my phone and just completely stop and just have a time of stillness and, and have moments to reflect upon the Lord. So for you, it might be that. It might be something else. It might be texting other people. Stop doing that for a day. The world will be okay. They will be okay if you don't get in touch with them. Trust God. The most important thing we can do on those days is is rather than know everything that's going on, is, is to just know the God who is in control and sovereign over everything. The second principle is to implement Sabbath day practices that are distinct. So not only, not only do we not do certain things, but we should obviously be then doing 
other things different from our other days or perhaps more than we do on other days. So don't just call it a Sabbath day of rest, but you end up just doing what you would normally do anyway. You're just not working, but you're also just kind of lounging around and doing nothing. Don't, don't just do that. The Sabbath day was, was a day that was holy to the Lord. It was distinct. It was set apart, which means it was for God. It was for the Lord. For this day, not only should we be abstaining from practices that are unhealthy for us, but we should be practicing particular things which are set apart for the Lord. So have a, a day where you know you are going to spend an extended time in prayer, like an hour, two hours, or go for a walk. I love this. I, I love going for a walk out in nature, away from people and just bringing my Bible and I might, I might read a lot, I might read very little, but I'll just go and, and pray and enjoy God's creation and actually have just a time of stillness. I think this, this um, idea of practices of stillness or stopping is, is actually an extremely important and powerful practice that we can have in our day because we live in a loud and busy culture. We have access to whatever we want, whenever we want. We hear so many voices. And so the practice of just stopping, of just having stillness is actually incredibly powerful in our culture. So have, have one thing or more, but just have one, at least one thing where you implement on that day and you do something like an extended period of time or something different that is directed toward the Lord, that is going to help reshape and reframe you. The third and last principle is that we should let it disrupt our week. Let it disrupt your week. So we can so easily become convinced that we are way more important than we actually are. You know, we feel like we, we need to check that text message. I need to check that. Someone wants me. We need to know that information. We need to do that particular task. If, if I don't do that, I know we don't consciously think this, but subconsciously our actions suggest that, you know, the world's going to fall apart if we don't do that task. A Sabbath day should actually disrupt your week in a good way. It should be disruptive. It should disrupt you from the hustle and bustle, from the loudness of your normal weeks. It should disrupt that and bring a beautiful peace separate from the chaos of our society. And the principle is, of course, that there are things that you can still do like if 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 you were going to pick someone up from the airport, you don't need to say, well, no, this is supposed to disrupt my week. So it's going to disrupt yours. I'm not going to pick you up from the airport. There's still obviously common sense. And that's what Jesus brings to it. That's why, you know, he picked, he, he let his disciples pick grain. That's why he healed. There's a bigger picture to this. But there will be, with discernment, many things in your life that you can abstain from to let it disrupt your week. Let it disrupt the busy, information-saturated lifestyles that we have. And these will remind us that we are not in control. We're not in control. How liberating is that? You're not in control. 
Like I remember hearing this from someone years ago and I think um, I had too much pride at the time that it took me a while to actually receive it well. But just someone saying, you're not important. You're not. You're not important. So be free from that. Like be free from the burden that we place upon ourselves and just reorient yourselves back under the one who is, the only one who's important. Sit back under him. These Sabbath principles and practices keep us in a rhythm of rest, which becomes a weekly reorientation back to God. So our weeks should be centered around these times of rest and rejuvenation in Christ or we will become more and more restless and eventually numb. That's the scary thing, eventually numb to the idea of true rest in Christ. It's like that becomes so distant of a thing for you that you end up just finding your rest in the things that everyone else in this life does and they are not restful. Keep these practices.